0: another episode of Shades Midweek. We have conversations about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I am Brad Brown, joined in the studio by my co-host, John Mark Duro, and we also have a special guest in the studio today. Grant Primo is joining us live in Four Stream Studios. Yeah. How are you guys doing
1: today? Doing good.
2: Yeah, doing well. I'm glad, Grant. Grant, I'm glad you're here, man. This is going to be fun.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pumped about it. As, yeah. as the um, most people would say accurately, the biggest fan of the Shades Midweek Podcast, right? it's uh, it's a great honor. It's to only
2: to appropriate it. for you to oh, be yeah. here right now. I
1: think we could say Grant has a complicated
0: relationship with the podcast, but right. a good one nonetheless. That's probably accurate. Yeah. So, so it's always a joy to have him in the studio with us. Grant, did you um, fill
2: out a bracket this year for the NCAA tournament?
1: I did. I did. It was pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I can't help myself like being an Alabama fan. I I yeah. filled out three brackets at work because we had like a contest, right? Yeah. And I had Alabama winning the championship in all three of them because I was like, <laughs> oh, no. we could be the 16th seed, and I yeah. would be like,
0: we're going to win. all the it way. All. I yeah. respect that devotion. No, yeah, yeah.
1: It's like when I did fantasy football one year. I'm not an Auburn fan, and. It, I, I drafted Cam Newton so I could sit him on my bench <laughs> oh, the entire year. And I, I would have won if I would have oh, played yeah, him. Oh, he was killing yeah. it. It was like his first year. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, nope, I'm sitting him on the bench. Out of principle, I will not play him. <laughs> oh, that's dumb.
2: That's too good. That's well, great. I filled out a bracket, and like I mentioned last week on the show, we recorded the day of the national championship uh, for NCAA, and Gonzaga and Baylor played, and – with my bracket, everybody picked Gonzaga. I was the only one that picked Baylor to win.
0: Oh. And
2: Baylor did win, which they put really me, which put me to the top of the standings and I won a $100 gift card to Home Depot. Ooh.
0: So I've you know. never won anything from filling out a bracket or anything like that fantasy football. Is this a first for you?
2: Uh, f- yes, to win like either in fantasy football or a bracket like this, yes. Wow. Yes. What do you So gonna- it's a big deal. It's yeah. been spent already. Ashley went to Home Depot and uh she got some hostas and some other things. So uh, yeah I'm sorry, some what? Just some different flowers, stuff oh, for oh. stuff for the garden, you know. Yes. I was so. just
0: making sure Grant knew what hostas were.
2: <laughs> I thought he said pasta. Some <laughs> some pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, great, selling, they're selling they're pasta now. Great at selection at Home Depot. Great so, yeah. lasagna. I won yeah. that gift card, so that was that was fun. Congratulations, was nice, man. Yeah. Thank you. We're glad for the follow-up with that. It was a big deal. Baylor destroyed Gonzaga. I they mean, really that did. That wasn't even close.
0: They really did. Yeah, 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 So you were confident the entire evening.
2: So we just came back from our pastoral staff retreat. Uh, we were gone all last week. Um, Jonathan's not here with us uh, right now. Uh, he had several appointments today and just couldn't make it uh, to the podcast, but we uh, forge on. Yes, Without we
0: do. Him. We miss him dearly, though. We
2: do miss him, and we do have a couple of emails that we actually received last week while we were gone. Thought it would be fun to take a trip down to the email corridor. Yeah, let's go. All right. So Ed Hart, Ed Hart wrote in. Now, Ed Hart, um, how long have they been going to Shades? Now they kind of started during uh, when we returned back to services. Am I am
0: I, I wrong
2: about that? Or I think I feel like so. I remember that um. I could be wrong but I feel I feel like I remember and Ed if we're getting this wrong you just email, yeah, you us. email us back. <laughs> but uh Ed's yeah, awesome his family's great. Really great great family. Uh he wrote in uh Easter 2021 recap. He said, Hi, guys. Enjoyed the podcast this week. I thought the Easter service was awesome, except the part where my bald head got sunburned. (laughs) And I hope that we do that again sometime. I know it's a major production, and I appreciate all the work that went into it. I'm glad you all talked about Andrew Peterson's Resurrection Letters album. It's so good. A lot of Andrew Peterson fans don't know it, although y'all probably do, but this album actually has a prologue of six additional tracks, not on the main album, inspired by the ancient Christian tradition of Tenebrae. Did I say that right? You did. Okay. So if you haven't heard them, they're pretty amazing. If you go to one of his Resurrection Letters concerts, he plays all these tracks first, then turns all the lights out, waits for a minute in silence, and then starts the next set with his heartbeats. Which starts with that drum track sounding like a heartbeat, sends chills down my back. And then he actually sent us a picture uh, of the band playing last Monday night uh, at the Ryman. At the Ryman. In yeah. So I guess that was two weeks ago now. But uh, yeah, we opened up with his heartbeats at the Easter service and uh, and then Jonathan for JM's album of the week last week. Jonathan's album was Resurrection Letters from Andrew Peterson. So yeah. it's a great record. Yeah. Um, I had no
0: idea about the extra
2: songs, and I didn't thanks, either. Thanks for so, pointing that out. Yeah, glad he drew some attention to that. That's awesome. Definitely check that out. Um, and just thanks for writing in. We appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but we got another email. I think right. We had so many emails. We just <laughs> we just selected two though. Inundated, for, inundated yes. with emails. Yeah, we're gonna have to hire someone full time to go through all these things. Um, our second email is from Kenneth McCants. Oh, Kenneth. That's oh, Kenny. That's what, my, that's what it says on my <laughs> Apple Mail. Um, and maybe I shouldn't have said his last name. He wrote, hi, Kenny, last name redacted here.
2: Uh-oh. Okay.
0: Since, you know, I'm, I didn't know Kenny's last name, and I'm sorry about that, Kenny. But he does have a last name for those who are curious. And uh, he says, hi, Kenny here. Just wanted to take a quick moment to give a shout-out to Noah Stallcup." for his help with setting up for the Easter service. I'm almost 90% sure that no one actually asked him to help volunteer. Connor Gaeta and I had decided to pregame Easter and set up by hanging out till about midnight playing board (laughs) slash card games. In retrospect, probably would have been good sleeping time. And Noah just decided to come do that and help out after a quick three and a half hour nap. Love him Love Connor, love Shades. Wow. So Noah was just hanging out with them, and they were like, yeah, we're going up to the church at 4 a.m. to set up. (laughs) And at 1 a.m., Noah was like, well, I guess I'll do that.
2: I guess I'll sleep a couple hours and have some coffee. Wake up
0: and help. But Kenny, what an encouraging email. Man. Pointing out Noah. Yeah. And
2: Noah, thanks for coming, man.
0: Yeah. Things, Unbelievable. Once again, we things, really needed everyone.
2: Thanks to everybody that helped set up that morning. That was a crazy morning. And uh, I mean, that. Kenny, Kenny's description of what he was doing, that, that reminds me of when I was that age, when I could actually do that, when I could stay up till 1 a.m., 2 a.m. and then show up at church at like 5.30 in the morning and not miss a beat, just yeah. be in yeah. the zone, you know? Be fine.
0: And, Yeah, in high school, I would drink six Mountain Dews. Right. Eat half of Papa John's pizza. Have a case of surge. Yeah, wake up and go to soccer practice. I
2: mean, I just, what? (laughs) It's amazing what the human body can do.
0: It it really is. It really is. (laughs) Well, that was our trip down email corridor. As always, write in, and we'll read it on the podcast. Yeah,
2: midweek at shadesvalley.org. Write in. Maybe don't write in. Yeah. Whatever you're feeling. Whatever you're feeling. We're not going to force you. No, we would never do that. We would never do that.
0: Um, J.M., I was wondering if you have an album of the week.
2: J.M.'s album of the week.
0: That was a great transition.
2: That was I re- awesome. Yeah, felt good about that. I do, man. Um, so I've been rocking this little EP that came out uh by like, this band what is what does that mean what's an ep well it actually means extended play which is kind of funny because most eps are very short yeah they're only like you know like a few songs yeah. but the idea back in the day was you had an lp which is kind of like the full length album that would be released and then the ep sometimes you know that would be like maybe some b-sides like stuff that didn't make it on the record But it really, you know, it doesn't really matter anymore. I don't. (laughs) Because of digital streaming and things like that, it's kind of changed all that. They actually call this a single, and there's four songs on it. So, you know, nothing makes (laughs) sense. Something's not adding up here. (laughs) Like maybe, now, maybe a single, like a little seven inch single, you know, maybe you'd have like a front side and a back side of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, interesting. I had no
0: idea. Grant, did you know what EP meant? I didn't. I'm pretty sure that's what it means. No idea.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so this is like their single, but I'm calling it an EP because it's got four songs on it, and it's Greta Van Fleet. You guys familiar with Greta Van Fleet?
1: I've heard of Greta Van Fleet. Yeah,
2: well, I not- am because you introduced me to them, Jam. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know who they are, they're an American rock band from Frankenmuth, Michigan. Naturally. I don't know much about Frankenmuth. Formed in 2012, uh, it consists of two twin brothers, the Kiska Brothers, And then they have a younger brother that's in the band and then, uh, one of their friends, uh, plays drums. So the vocalist and the guitar player and the bass player, they're all brothers, which is pretty cool. Um, what caught my attention about them a few years ago was that I hear this song and I'm like, that sounds exactly like a lost Led Zeppelin song that I've never <laughs> heard before. Um, And to my surprise, it was not Led Zeppelin, but it just everything about it from the voice to the way the guitar player played his riffs to the way the drummer would do fills and his grooves. It just sounded exactly like Led Zeppelin. Now, this is kind of controversial because I feel like some people, uh, it rubs them the wrong way that they sound like Led Zeppelin. The the band, right? Well, I don't even know necessarily. I I mean, maybe it does. You know, it seems like... I feel like they've tried to distance themselves a little bit. I think they've tried to. They've definitely, like in this Wikipedia article I read through earlier, it kind of talked about, it had some quotes, and they talked about, oh, yeah, like, you know, the guitar player was like Jimmy Page. I studied all of his stuff. Like, it got to the Uh, point where I knew how a Jimmy Page would think. Uh,
0: I gotcha. Um, okay. So they've
2: been pretty open about, yeah, yeah. about some of that stuff. Now, the singer claimed that he didn't even get in. These guys are young, by the way. He didn't even get yeah. into Led Zeppelin until he was in high school. Hmm. So it maybe came a little He's, later. He sounds almost identical to Robert Plant. He does sound like Robert Plant. I will say, after listening to them a good bit, he does remind me of the lead singer from Rush, Getty Lee. Oh, okay. And, and I don't know if you guys know who Rush is, but they have a f- oh, yeah. their famous song, Tom Sawyer. They're yeah. like a progressive rock band from Canada. Yeah. So he does kind of remind me of Rush a little bit, but all the way that they, I see that that. they play together. So I'll play you some clips here of. Uh, let me fast forward this a little bit. And you can hear exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, this, this album's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I put it on one day, and I was like, yeah, it's all right. And then I listened to it recently, like on repeat, and I really started to get into it. This song in particular has a killer guitar solo. Yeah. It's like they're trying to bring rock music back a little bit to the forefront. There's just not, rock bands are just not popular. It's just not a cool thing anymore. And there's not a lot of new ones. There's not a lot of new ones. They're just, it's just not a thing, which is fine. I mean, I think, you know, it's going to come and go. Uh, Musical tastes change and things that are popular change. But yeah, so the the single is called uh, Broken Bells, which that was actually the song Broken Bells. There's three other songs on there. They have a forthcoming LP coming out actually this Friday. So they should hire me as their marketing consultant. Yeah, totally. Consultant. Um, I mean, with the numbers for this podcast. I'm telling you what. Uh, what is that record called? Don't hire me yet. Oh, the Battle It. The Battle at Gardens Gate that is the name of the forthcoming LP that comes out on Friday so All everybody right. check yeah, that check out that Greta out, yeah. Van Fleet Very cool very cool It is very cool So Brad what's what's going on with you this week
0: Well I definitely feel like we should enter into Bradford's book club
2: I feel like I've just been transported. That, I mean,
0: that just felt right. (laughs) It's very understated, and that's what I
1: like about it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I need to sit up straight. (laughs) My posture (laughs) is bad. Yes.
0: Wow. Okay. So, give me a second to collect myself (laughs) after that. But uh, this week, I do have a book, and... It is the twentieth anniversary edition of a book that was originally released in nineteen eighty-six, I believe, called "Amusing Ourselves to Death: Public Discourse in the Age of Showbiz." <laughs> Show business by Neil Postman. Have either of you heard of this book before?
2: <sighs> Man. I have not. I feel like I've heard the name Neil Postman before. Um, But why don't you tell me about it, Brad? Yeah, so I'll read a little bit from the back cover.
0: So this is off the back cover. Um, It says, television... you got to think, this is 1986. Uh, yeah. Television has habituated us to visual entertainment measured out in spoonfuls of time. But what happens when we come to expect the same things from our politics... In public discourse. Okay, Neil, I think you might be <laughs> onto something. What happens to journalism, education, and religion when they too become forms of show
2: business? Oh, my goodness.
0: 20 years ago, Neil Postman's lively polemic was the first book to consider the way that electronic media were reshaping our culture. Now, with TV joined by the internet, cell phones, cable, and DVDs, amusing ourselves to death carries even greater significance. Elegant, incisive, and terrific, terrifically readable. It's a compelling take on our addiction to entertainment. So oh this book was introduced to me when I was in seminary. It was required reading for a spiritual formation class that I was in. So we read about it and had a discussion. Um, and it's, it's uh, very fascinating to... Uh, read about Neil as he talks about his concerns um, about how television is going to shape us. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this crazy technology of television and and entertainment, how might that shape us? So it's definitely uh, a prophetic word, and yeah. you're probably not going to agree with everything that he says, but um, I definitely think it's worth a read. There's a Christian uh, writer... Author, speaker named Andy Crouch. And uh, one of the things that he says that I think is so helpful is he says, if we were to speak wisely in our present time, then we must go back and read uh, books from different time periods. And so don't just read news articles, don't just read blogs, especially as you're thinking through very uh, complicated issues. Um, he said, you know, for those that are going to speak wisely into our time, for those who are going to give a word, it will be those that kind of steep themselves in the past and are, are students of history and listen to voices that have come in previous ages. And so that's always stuck with me. Um, and so I think uh, Neil's book can be a, a good word for us. Uh, if I can just have a few more seconds. Yeah. I was going to read... Uh, the forward, the f- uh, part of the forward, the forward really grabs your attention, which is I think, an accomplishment for an author and a page to really grab your attention and, and your interest for what's coming ahead. Um, and in the forward, I actually uh, quoted this uh, at an Ash Wednesday service um, two years ago. And in the forward, he's talking about uh, Orwell's 1984, the book 1984. And that book is a dystopian novel in which there is this um, oppressive, powerful force that is controlling people in this dystopia. And he sets Orwell's 1984 right next to Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. And in Huxley's Brave New World, it's a dystopian vision, but it's not this kind of outward force that people hate. And so he writes this about Orwell and Huxley's uh, works. He says, What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied with some equivalent of the feelies. <laughs> I don't know. Um, in 1984... Huxley added, people are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared that what we hate will ruin us. Huxley feared what we love will ruin us. So you can set that next to the title, Amusing Ourselves to Death. Wow! So definitely a prophetic word, a, yeah. a, a word for our time as we think about our interaction with uh, streaming, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu. Also thinking about social media, thinking about yep. news articles at our fingertips.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, just over, all of the above. Overwhelmed with the amount of information. I mean, we were right. just talking about that the other day. We were talking about. Uh, <laughs> I think we were talking about the new Justice League like Zack Snyder cut. And I was like, and I, and so I haven't seen the first one. And then the director puts out like a four hour version of the cut. But then I was like, yeah, there's this podcast that I listened to. They did an entire episode where they're, it's a commentary while they're watching the film. (laughs) So we just have an abundance of content. Yeah. I mean, just there's just so much content. Yes, and and this guy is like sounding the alarm here in the '80s. In the '80s, talking about this before we have smartphones, before we have social media, yep. I mean, he's seeing the writing on the walls. Um, wow, that that really I really want to read that book. Yeah, now. and, and just ahead, just
1: Greg. to reference uh, or to prove his point and reference another piece of entertainment. Yes, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the, on that show Parks and Rec. They're trying to convince people to put fluoride in the water, but the townspeople like hate it and they're like, no, we don't want it. And so they, they come up with like this app where they're like, it's sparkle points. You love fluoride because you get sparkle <laughs> points. The more you drink, the more sparkle points you get. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, I love fluoride now. <laughs> it's the like same sort of concept.
0: Oh, man, totally. Well, and you saying that brought to my mind, I think one of the things that Postman does in the book is we tend to think about, uh, a message. We have this message and then you can just put it in any medium to get it out to people and that that won't shape the message in any way. But I think Postman challenges to think that the mediums through which we communicate uh, actually end up shaping the message itself in either a positive way or a negative way and that these mediums can end up shaping the content and shaping uh, what we learn how we learn all the above and so it's a it's a fascinating conversation as we think about how information about politics as we think about uh, local news as we think about uh, marketing on social media I mean just all the above it's uh, there's so much to talk and think through so it would this would be a great book to Get three, four people, yeah, read together and just have a discussion on.
2: There's a documentary that Brad and I both watched. I don't know if you saw this Grant Boys State. Did you see that documentary I, on I've, Apple TV? I want to see it. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, it's excellent. And the film, they start off with this quote that you read about Huxley and Orwell. Yes. And what's it, that documentary? I highly recommend it because I'm not going to go into everything that it's about, but essentially it it shows you how. Some of these things play out uh, within our political systems and how these these uh, kids from these high schools use social media and kind of all these things that he's talking about at their disposal to like ruin your opponent um, Mm. and to uh, rile up your fan, your your voting base. Um, Mm. So anyways, all that's super interesting, man.
1: Wow. No politician would resort to catchphrases and slogans instead of nuanced conversation. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, that's
2: crazy to think about.
1: Uh, Wow.
0: Amusing ourselves to death, Neil Postman, the, the 20th anniversary
2: edition. Man, what a great pick. Thank you, Brad. Yep, you're welcome. And I hope you all enjoyed that new jingle. Yes. So, what are we doing today? Well, Grant
0: is in the studio because, well, one, we just want to hang out with him anytime we get the opportunity. Oh, of course.
2: But then, secondly, we're doing a Meet a Member. Woo! Meet a Member. And in light of that, I thought it would be great, since we had a new jingle for Bradford's Book Club. Oh, yeah? I thought since we have reoccurring episodes of Meet a Member, we need a jingle. Oh, yeah. So I sat down in Four Stream studio this week and, and uh, I was in here for at least 36 to 48 hours straight. Didn't wow. eat, didn't sleep, hadn't seen my family in a while. I'm very, yeah. I'm exhausted right now, but Yeah, you look exhausted. But what came out uh, was one, Bradford Bradford's book club jingle. Yeah, um, which was excellent, by the way. Here is the uh, world premiere of the uh, Shades Midweek Meet a Member Jingle Director's Cut. It's time to meet a member it's time to
1: Them. It's Grant. time to meet a member. It's time to meet a member. I'm feeling a lot of pressure now. That y'all made a mistake bringing me on, especially to debut a real like funky uh, new theme song. Like being yeah. being the biggest fan, I've heard all of the Meet a Member podcasts, and oh, there's wow. some really interesting people. And like, I'm feeling a lot of pressure. I I don't I didn't pick apples like Bill. I don't have interesting <laughs> things. To do. So I'll do uh. my best. Well, you know, we can always
0: ask different types of questions, like if you'd like to start out by telling us the sin that you struggle with the most, you know, we could really just dive right in.
1: I'm just going to lie profusely. Just start making it. The interns don't fact check or anything, right? I don't need to Uh, pay anyone off.
0: Most of the time, they don't. Okay, good. Oh, man. Well, we do want to dive right in. We are excited to have you on, Grant, and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be great. Uh, So... Why don't we uh, start with you telling us a little bit about how you
1: grew up. All right. So I was born in Butler, Missouri, which is a super right. interesting town. Yeah. Um, I've never what's, heard of nothing notable about what's it. The, what's a, the population of <laughs> Butler, Missouri? I, I mean, a couple thousand maybe. Yeah. It's right. a small. It's south of Kansas City. Um, lived there till I was about four. So my dad worked for a coal mining company, um, my well, all the time when I was young. Uh, so we moved around a little bit when I was younger. We moved from Butler to Gallup, New Mexico. Wow. Um, lived there from age four to fourth grade, and then I moved to Tuscaloosa um, from there, and have lived in Alabama uh, since then. But
0: what do you but, remember from New Mexico?
1: I, I mean. It's uh, it's very dusty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, Gallup, New Mexico, and Tuscaloosa, Alabama, are very very different places. <laughs> I can and imagine. So, like not just like climate wise. Like in, in New Mexico, our house had the air conditioner was called a swamp cooler because it pumps humidity into your house to cool wow. it off. And like wow. that's just unfathomable to me now. Like yeah, you don't need humidity.
0: one of those. in, yeah.
1: in Alabama for sure. Um, but like culturally, New Mexico is it's a lot it's like kind of laid back like california but not cool like california (laughs) um and uh it's very transient in gallup there aren't many Mm. people who've been there for you know generations um so it was really different coming to alabama where it's much a lot more traditional a lot more formal i think than than new mexico was um a lot more people that had like grandma living down the street which was a kind of weird concept for me because I've never lived around like extended family at all Mm -hmm. but um so yeah uh I have three sisters um an older sister and two younger so I was the only only boy which meant I got all of the like taking out the trash chores (laughs) and mowing the grass chores all me (laughs) um but yeah pretty pretty normal childhood though I'd say
0: yeah now question,
1: did did you ever play with Barbies
0: growing up? Cuz see, I had one sister and I had two I had well I had another female cousin. And so I played with Barbies. But this cuz it's like there's all that's all you could do, you know? Is either do that or watch the news with, my, you know, the adults. Who wants to do that? I,
1: I would like to lie about this, but there's video proof of me playing. <laughs> my, me and my sisters, we we yeah. had a little like a video camera that. I mean, we recorded ourselves doing all sorts of nonsense, and I'm so right, glad right, YouTube yep. didn't exist then because oh yeah, it would have all been preserved. But there, I used I used to bring my action figures in though. Yes, and my I younger sisters yeah, especially yeah. would get so mad because I'd be like my Ghostbusters killing this Barbie. And she's like, stop, Mom.
0: That's not That's not part of the narrative. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they were not yeah. fans, but yeah, I I definitely, and uh, you know, you just have to, when you have sisters, you just have to totally. do what, yeah. what we they want to do. We would
0: do like dance recitals as well for the family and all of that there yeah. there
1: may or may not be a video of my sister and I making a music video to Michael W Smith's Place in This World oh, where we have like a, that song. A, yes. a sheet hanging up and one person is like behind it doing like a shadow scene oh it's so bad
0: <laughs> oh that's so great, and we'd we need to get that video to post to the uh, Instagram. Yeah, oh, I've burned it; <laughs>
2: it's gone. So I take I take it from the Michael W. Smith reference as a child. You did you grow up a Christian? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Oh, going to going to church?
1: Yeah, I mean, so church was a what probably one of the biggest influences, biggest parts of my life growing up. My parents were strong believers. We were always in church, and back in the day when. Being in church meant like Sunday morning, Sunday night, yeah, Wednesday, yeah. and then another couple events during the month, you know, whatever was going on. And so, um, my parents were always real involved at our churches. I was, you know, from time, I was a little in New Mexico, we went to a Baptist church and they had a wana. You guys know what that is. They mm-hmm. do. It's like a Bible memorization is mainly kind of the program for kids, yeah. I dominated one. <laughs> I was I was Sparky of the year three years in a row. Oh, wow! Um, they had to order a new book because I went through all the books they had, and they had to go get a new one. Wow! I was like, these other these other kids wish they were as holy as I am. <laughs> so, with memorization, could you just could you just read and, and memorize? I- you know, I don't. I'm not really that great at memorization. I guess I was better at it when I was little. But yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I think I was just motivated to get all the badges. And this is a funny. They had like a one of the things on your vest that you got in Oahu was a little crown, and you got little jewels they put in your crown as you memorized verses. <laughs> so you had all so the silly. jewels. Oh, I had all the jewels. Yeah, yeah. And then the badge they put underneath the crown when you like they run out of jewels. I'm telling you, I dominated. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and then later on, I, um, you know, was very involved in like youth group and stuff when we moved Mm to Tuscaloosa and did all the, you know, all the camps, all the Disciple Now's, um, small groups, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So what, uh, when you look back, uh, at your faith journey, do you, is there a point that you kind of look to and you go, okay, this is when I put my faith in Christ, when I embrace him as Lord and Savior, or do you see it more as kind of like an ongoing process where you can point to some times?
1: No, you know, there's there's actually a specific moment. Okay. So I remember, I think I was like five or six, but I remember walking to my parents' bedroom, like late one night, and I was like real upset and crying, went in there because I wanted to you know, accept Jesus into my heart. And so I think they walked me through the Lord's Prayer or something. I don't really remember that part of it, but I have a very mm-hmm. vivid memory of walking back down. Like, we had a long hallway in between my parents' room and mine, and I remember walking back down the hallway and feeling, like, this peace and joy wow. just coming out of that experience. And that's kind of what is still, like, the vivid memory I have of really? all that. And at the time, yeah. my, like, six-year-old brain was like, oh, I was sad, and now I'm happy, you know. But <laughs> right, Now I kind of recognize that, you know, supernatural type piece that that I think I really was feeling. So I I feel like I do have a conversion kind of experience like that. But I was always kind of in church. Yeah, yeah.
0: Sure, sure. So tell us a little bit about Teenage Grant. What was was middle school and high school Grant like? I was kind of a punk, I think. (laughs) Uh, Trying to think. Were you or were... Were you a punk or were you the,
1: were you the ideal child? I I never, I mean, so I'll say I I used to be embarrassed of like my testimony because I never had like a a really overtly or outwardly like a rebellious phase. Yeah, Um, yeah. I never was like, I never like drank or smoked or said cuss words that people could hear out loud (laughs) when I was like in high school. Um, But that was mainly because I was so involved kind of in church and it was just like the the pressure I felt from that and what I had to lose there k- kind of influenced me on that. But yeah. um, no, I was a punk. I, I remember I, at one summer camp, my youth pastor got so mad at me because we uh, I kept breaking in the lunch line. The lunch line would be super long, and I kept breaking, getting somebody to let me break and just go to the front. And he's like, you cannot break anymore. Stop that. And so the next meal... I got this girl to just get me a plate. And I was just sitting there at the table, just like looking at the youth pastor, and he's like, what are you doing? And then this girl comes over and is like, hey, here's your lunch. And Uh, and he was like, no, no, and he took it away. Oh, man. And then I had to have a long conversation with him. But I did it. I I was kind of a little bit of a punk, kind of (laughs) arrogant, you know, typical teenager type stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, you graduate from high school. And what comes next for you?
1: Uh, getting married? <laughs>
2: wow! <laughs> almost, almost. Wow!
1: No. So I stayed in. Um, I stayed in Tuscaloosa. I went to the University of Alabama for undergrad. Um, and you want me to just talk about how I met Brooke? Now, I mean, with yeah, that, yeah, okay, sure. so, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Go that's for it. Great. My wife, Brooke. By the way, if you don't know. Um, so I met Brooke when I was. I think I was 14 or 15. So she says we met um, after ch- church, of course. We had one of those spirit nights at the youth group where it was like, everybody wear your school colors and the more people you bring from school, first, the more you points you get. At first when you said
0: spirit night, I was like, okay, wait, what? Not- are we talking Holy Spirit? Or are we... <laughs> <laughs> school, no, school spirit. Yeah, school yeah. spirit night. No, yep, got it.
1: Um, and so it was like a competition between the different schools in the youth group to see who would get the most points and you won some prize or something. Um, but Brooke... Came to that apparently, and sh- and I was at that point playing guitar in the youth band, and she says she came up to me afterwards, and I talked to her and her friend, and I don't really remember that, but there's just so many girls who came up to me afterwards. <laughs> I mean, how? Can yeah, you it's hard you, to remember.
2: All hard of to them. remember. Yeah, right. totally. Uh, well, if you're obviously. a guitar player, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: not not a bass player, <laughs> right? You know, a keyboardist, but
1: the, but I do re- I I do remember. Getting to know her at, at church, uh, like, like seeing her and trying to figure out her name, and this kind of ages me a little bit. But figuring out her AOL screen name so we could talk on oh, instant messenger. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, Do you remember it? Jotled.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jotled at AOL Oh yeah. Um, so J- what's behind?
0: What's that stand for? Do you
1: know? Um. So her her maiden name is Led- last name is Ledbetter. And Jot, I think Damn. her dad's name is John. I don't know what the O T. Her mom's name is Terry. It has something to do with her parents. It was oh, her parents' okay. AOL account. So oh, I
0: got you. I got you.
1: Hopefully, I didn't write anything explicit on there. Um, <laughs> <that> they saw. <laughs> no, what was funny. So Brooke's mom is a nurse, um, and she was the nurse at our high school. Uh, she started one year being the nurse at our high school, and this is before Brooke and I were really dating or anything. We were kind of had been talking a little bit through church, but. So I find out she's the nurse and so I faked sick so I could go to her office just to kind of scope it out and talk to her mom and end up, I get her mom to let me be her assistant. So I, the first like six months that I knew her, I probably spent more time with her mom than (laughs) than with her because I was I went in every day, like instead of going to a class period, I would go to the nurse's office and like help her, which meant, usually meant, you know, going to Chick-fil-A and getting biscuits for us to eat and stuff. Um, (laughs) But uh, very sneaky. Grant. So you no, were a no.
2: persuasive individual as a teenager, huh? Uh,
1: I, yeah, probably <laughs> uh, manipulative, <Right>. maybe. <laughs> you know? No. Um, so we we dated off and on throughout most of high school, um, and then in college, I stayed. I'm a year older than Brooke, and so I went to stayed in, stayed in town. Went to the University of Alabama, and we. Kind of kept dating off and on through college, and then um, got engaged when she was nineteen and I was twenty. Wow, um, mm. super young! I took our uh, envelopes, like our wedding invitations, to the post office, and the post mailman was like, "What are these?" And I am like, "My wedding invitations." And he's like, "You're too young to get married." I'm like, How do you know? You don't know. Don't know me, uh, but we now, were super young.
0: Now, at the time, do you remember? like thinking about that like oh wow i'm really young or what was your experience of that
1: honestly it didn't even cross my mind <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was like i just got to lock this down man uh, i'm going to yeah. screw this up so yep. let me um yeah. now we were yeah i just i think it's just god's grace that it was the right decision <laughs> um but yeah. our 16th anniversary is next month so wow, wow. yeah yes you know, we, we were so young, though, when we got married. We went on a cruise for our honeymoon. And we you had to be 21 to go on a cruise without a, a chaperone. And so we had to get special permission and, like, show them our marriage certificate for them to let us go on our honeymoon cruise. Cause hey, my mom says I can go on this. Can you guys <laughs> let me
0: on the boat, please? I
1: promise. <laughs> it was the other embarrassing thing on that honeymoon cruise was um, my best man at the wedding— Played kind of a joke on us by repacking one of our jo- one of our bags with a lot of um, adult type uh, no items, um, one of which was a pair of handcuffs. And they don't like you taking those things on to a cruise. I didn't know any of this stuff is on there, so I, you like you turn over your suitcase, you know, at, at the beginning, and they they run it through the X-ray machine and stuff. So we're already on the boat, and I had. And they, they come over the loudspeaker, Grant and Brooke Primo, please report down to the security station. So we, we have, have the youngest people on this God. boat,
2: please report yeah. to the.
1: So we we go back down, and the security station is in the middle of the two lines of all the people coming onto the boats. So everyone's there, and they have everything from oh, that suitcase oh my sp-
0: gosh, sp- no.
1: spread out on a table. Oh, no. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And, and the, the security guard, who's taking just immense pleasure in ribbing me about this. You know, holds up the handcuffs, and he's like, "What are these for?" And I was just like, "Pleasure, I guess." I mean, <laughs> what am I supposed to say to that? Uh, they didn't let us take the handcuffs. I was like, "Throw them away, fine. Just oh please my gosh. let me leave." Oh my gosh. Um, went back on the boat, but wow.
0: Okay, so what and. What,
1: y'all are freshmen in college at this point? So I'm I'm this is after after her freshman year after my sophomore year. So being very young was great. I loved yeah. it. I
0: mean And being married in undergrad. Yeah. I imagine that led to like a very different undergrad
1: experience. Oh, yeah. I mean I was see when neither one of us were like party scene, going out to bars. That just wasn't really our our deal. So it wasn't like we were missing out on something. Um but it was, it was fun because looking back on it now, I realize you know, we were just so like carefree. Because um, yeah. I mean, we, we both had to. Su- we were married. We had to support ourselves because our parents like we're not paying for. You know, you married people to for your life, so we had to. <laughs> right. We had wow. to support ourselves. We both worked multiple jobs and and had that. But like, wow, there was just so much fun time that we had together you know, without kids, without real pressure of a job, you know, just part-time job stuff and, and school. And it was, it was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff like we, I mean, a lot of this, the growing that you do in like college when you first get out, we went through a lot of that together. And that was really, that was really interesting and really fun to kind of have this process that we're going through together of kind of really becoming adults. I mean, cause 19 and 20, you're not really, you're not really, we were married, but we weren't really adults. But, um, and that, that was really neat. I think that has impacted our, our marriage in a lot of ways going through all that yeah. together. In oh, a totally. Positive way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when did kids come into the picture? Were you a parent and an undergrad student <laughs> and working multiple jobs and no. if so, are you a human? No,
1: <laughs> uh, no we had our first daughter, Evie. Um, we'd been married. She she just turned uh, nine back in January. Mm. Um, so we had been married for what sixteen minus nine, however many years that was. <laughs> that was my first year after law school. That was my first m- my first year working. We had okay. Evie, um, and then two years later we had uh, Silas who uh just turned seven and then two years after that we had shepherd who it's today is his fifth birthday actually oh wow wow. happy birthday shepherd happy Happy birthday he's a big listener of the podcast right yeah
0: totally (laughs) i'm saying happy birthday at the
1: end maybe
2: yeah we should
1: uh yeah so three kids came much later despite some rumors at the time we got married we were only engaged for like four months and there was definitely oh. something. Like, oh, oh wow. Well, you know right. They're getting married, young.
0: <laughs> the talk of Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. over here.
1: I uh, threw that in one of the, I knew one of. It was actually a parent of one of our friends who I heard made that rumor. And I made sure to be like, no kids yet. Every time I saw him. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, all right. Now,
0: We do want to hear uh, more about your vocation. But before we do that, John Mark, I think it's a good time for. A lightning round. Yeah. All right. You know, I was just thinking how necessary each <laughs> jingle is.
2: <laughs> it's so necessary. Gosh, yeah. To the flow of the show,
1: it's hard. It really to, it's is. kind of just
0: hard to fathom it without all of them. I know. And
1: well, none of them are too we'll long, it. for sure. Do you score so, the lightning round? Is there a scoring system?
2: Oh man, we yeah. just made. We just yeah, of course. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll, I just want to we'll, know how I compare. We're gonna I mean, release yeah. the results
0: at a later date. <laughs> yeah. Undetermined. It's more of a feeling based thing in the moment. You okay. know, that's kind of how it's judged. I'm right, just
1: pumping myself up. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, well, Grant, you know the rules. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. So we're just
2: gonna dive right in. Uh, Brad, you have some questions too, right? Yeah, because I've got some as well. All right, I've got a few. I'll start out with, and then if you have some, you just jump in. Were you Were you able to do that thing we talked about? No. Can you? Yeah, I might try to do that thing <laughs> we talked about. You, uh, why you? Won't you find that that thing? Yeah. Okay.
1: Go ahead, John Mark.
2: Okay. While I do that. All right. Question number one:
1: How do you like your eggs? Scrambled, um, of course. Put a little cheese in there. Yes. And something I've been doing lately instead i used to add like milk to make them a little bit fluffier mm. but now mm. put some carigold butter in there oh dude so yeah so good makes I it so rich i love
2: carigold butter yeah that's the best butter it, it melts it melts better than any mm-hmm. other but- i mean it's just it's just fantastic
1: my my uncle jim also makes his he's a chef he makes his own seasoning and i put that in it
2: Oh, it's delicious wow. okay
1: I'll share that some with great. you guys. It's so good. Does
2: he? Uh, does he work? At, does he have his own restaurant or something?
1: No, he worked for this chain of um, pizza and like Italian restaurants in the Midwest called um, Mazio's Pizza. Okay. And I forget what the Italian restaurant name is, but yeah. okay,
2: cool, good great stuff. information. All right, how do you like your coffee?
1: Uh, I like cream and sugar in it. Okay. I mean people try to make you feel bad for putting cream and <laughs> sugar, like it's somehow more manly to drink coffee black. Yeah. But like yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I I, that's know. how I started drinking coffee black because I was shamed in a community of men. You shouldn't feel shame. I'm here to put a stop to that. You Thank shouldn't you, feel Grant. shame. It's drinking. Something does not determine your manliness. Yeah. You know, that's a good word or, for or us. Or it's a weird way to determine whether someone is manly It's not true. A, it's, it's very true. Do you like milk? No, you're, you're not a man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok.
1: Uh, Instagram mm. is that's a very millennial thing, I guess, to like Instagram the most. If you're younger, you probably like one so. of those other ones, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, probably. I, mean, I feel like, yeah, I do. I I'm definitely on a huge Twitter kick right now. I'm loving Twitter.
1: Yeah, I like Twitter. Twitter's close too.
2: Yeah. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go?
1: Uh, I want to, Brooke and I have been talking about going to um, the, like, Cornwall, England. Like, the coast of England. And it's mainly because we watched this Mm. uh, PBS masterpiece series called Poldark. Yes. That is, like, set all in, like, English. English The Browns have watched it. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow.
2: Okay, I don't know about this. You guys are going to have to tell me
1: about this. I wasn't into it at first, but I came around. The characters grew on you. The characters grew on me. It's yeah. a good show. It's fun. So it's
2: kind of like the typical like PBS kind of thing, like down, Downton Abbey. Is it like that? Downton it's, Abbey? It's, it's, I would say it's grittier.
1: It's grittier. Oh, okay. It's like a, but it, yeah, like a period piece set period in piece. England.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of that, if you could meet any historical figure, who would you meet?
1: Do have to be dead?
2: Uh, Whatever. Doesn't have to be. No, not necessarily.
0: Just, uh, hi- just
2: historical. Just <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means. Modern <laughs> <in> history. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, I think it'd be cool to meet Michael Jordan.
2: Yeah, yeah. that would be cool. What do you? Th- what would you say to him if you met him? <laughs> I'm just cur- how that how I that mean, conversation would go down.
1: I always had this dream when I was little of challenging him to like a one-on-one game just to see how bad he'd beat I me. Mean, I think he's still. I mean, obviously, he still would beat me very bad, but that'd be fun.
2: Yeah, that's like a fun conversation to have is like, if if I played a one-on-one game with Michael Jordan, how many points yeah. could I score? Could
1: you get one point?
2: Could you get one basket? I, I guess think... Michael, like if he was good, because that dude does not let up. No. He doesn't care who it is. Hmm. Hmm. So I'm, I'm probably thinking no one in this room scores on Michael Jordan. Like he doesn't, there's no sympathy basket. There's none of that. You're just winded and tired by the end of it, and he's just trash talking oh, the yeah. entire time. Yeah,
1: this is this is sorry to break from the lightning round, but no, <laughs> Silas played basketball for the first time this uh, past uh, like winter, um, yes. and before, I coached his team. Before we go to his first practice, we're driving in the car, and he goes, "Dad, what if like I'm better than Michael Jordan at basketball?" <laughs> And I was just like, oh, no, Silas. <laughs> it's like your expectations are too high, man. You've never played basketball before. <laughs> he uh, is not lacking for confidence.
2: But that's so much fun, though, to watch your kid play. Like We we shared that experience, you and I, this year, because this was Moses' first year yeah. to play basketball. And it's so much fun just I to get, get to watch
1: your son out there and play. It, spoiler alert, he was not better than Michael.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. How about an actor that would play
2: you in a biopic about your life?
1: Okay, this is an easy one. Okay, wow, Steve easy. Steve Buscemi or <laughs> um, Ron Howard's brother. So, what is Ron Howard's brother's name? He's in The Grinch. He's in like a bunch of yeah, Ron Howard's films. No, so. There's a biopic about your life. There's always going to be like the picture the picture of the real person at the end. Yeah. Or And you're going to have to probably go to like the premiere. I'm, like, I'm not standing next to Brad Pitt or somebody like that and be right. like, oh, that's the real guy? <laughs> no, put me next to Steve Buscemi. And they'll be like, well, his eyes aren't nearly as buggy as <laughs> Steve Buscemi's.
2: I love Steve Buscemi, man. He is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Fargo, a lot of Tarantino movies. He's in a ton oh, of stuff. Oh, yeah. He's great. Who would play Brooke? This is a dangerous question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have this to answer that. You can plead the fifth. This is, we, this is what we call a trap. <laughs> yes. You can plead the fifth. All right. Um, favorite courtroom drama of all time?
1: <laughs> mm, I'm going to have to go with a tie between My Cousin Vinny and yes. uh, Liar um, Liar. Yes. Yes. Two, oh two man. Favorites.
2: I used to watch Liar Liar all the time,
1: man. That's a great one.
2: What about A Few Good Men? You like that? It's got a, it's got a famous... <laughs> courtroom scene at the end.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good one. That was I mean, I haven't I don't the real heavy ones. I'm just, I mean it's weird cuz I am an attorney but I just I, I can't get into the real heavy ones as much. Yeah. There's too much mm. stuff in there that I'm like that <laughs> that just, would happen. never that happen. That's not realistic. My but like fi- liar liar it's like yeah it's supposed to be fake so <laughs> Hey My uh, my <laughs> family watched JAG. You remember <laughs> JAG? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever see the one with Jeff Daniels and Kramer from Seinfeld called Trial and Error. I've
1: never seen that.
2: So in that one, Jeff Daniels is a lawyer and he... Something happens. And Michael Richards... Kramer from Seinfeld has to act like he is the lawyer for this case. So he walks, it's totally not believable. Right. And it's illegal, but he walks in and he has to act like he's the lawyer for this case. And he has no idea what he's doing. He's like, got like on note cards, he's got like objections written out. And so he'll just, he's like looking through, like, what what can I object to? And he just throws out like, like random upchase. It is really. Fu- I used to watch it a lot when I was a kid. It was funny. I'll just check that one out. Yeah, Brad, you got any any questions?
0: Well, you know what I was trying to do was find speed round questions to ask a lawyer,
1: but <laughs> oh gosh,
0: I couldn't. I couldn't find anything. All I could find was either dumb questions that people have asked their attorney, or dumb things that attorneys um, have said in court. And there are a few good one of those, and you know maybe I can read one or two. Uh, but this is a website that I just found five seconds ago that uh, <laughs> says the following questions from lawyers were taken from official court records nationwide. Uh, so the first one is, uh, "Sir, was that the same nose you broke as a child?" <laughs> Question.
1: <laughs> Next one. one. Yeah.
0: Now, doctor. Isn't it true that when a person dies in his sleep, in most cases, he just passes quietly away and doesn't know anything about it until the next morning?
1: <laughs> um, Solid lawyering right there.
0: Uh, ma'am, were you alone or by yourself? <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, Sir, the youngest son, the 20-year-old, how old is he? Uh, Sir, was it you or your brother that was killed in the war? Wow. Okay, that's all I got. That's all I could find. That's all I could find. Well,
2: as we wrap up our lightning round, this isn't. This could kind of fall into lightning round category. What do you have any good stories from being a lawyer? Is there anything kind of uh, ridiculous? um, Anything that you've seen or heard?
1: I have I have some ethical obligations of confidentiality, sure. unfortunately, which probably prevents me from telling some of the really uh, good ones. I, can't, yeah, I there are some that's that pretty are cool though public domain, yeah, isn't that? It's pretty cool? cool
2: that you can say that. Just bleep <laughs> this all, and I'll take no, Um Redacted.
1: There I I did read this one uh, deposition transcript where uh, one of the lawyers stabbed the other lawyer with a pencil in the middle of a deposition, which is pretty crazy. But I wasn't directly involved in that, but I had, I, then that, that same lawyer I had a case with, he was on the other side what? and I was like, and somebody told me, Hey, you got to need to read this deposition transcript. <laughs> he stabbed a guy with a pencil and I was like, Oh my gosh, he seems nice to me. But, um, you walk in with a bulletproof vest. I don't, what else do you put on? I don't know. How do you come prepared for this? No, the, the best story though, that I guess I was personally involved in and let me try to edit it real quick in my head before I tell it. So I don't wasn't anything.
0: So, Mr. I, Jones,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the people involved in this case had claimed that um, their child had died. And that was kind of the basis for some of their claims that this child had died. And I start doing some digging into this because it didn't totally make sense and find out that that was just not true. There was never this oh, child. They completely no. made up the child that supposedly died. Um, oh, and found this lady's Facebook page where she's like, they did have a funeral on the day she claimed her child died, but it was like a few, fu- like a mock funeral for a squirrel that their dog had caught in the backyard. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, this is, but so we, I pressed the other side on this. I was like, I don't, I don't think this, I don't think this kid really died. You know, we want copies of like death certificates and stuff like that. And so I got a, um, they sent over a, a receipt from a funeral home supposedly for this dead child and i immediately just picked up the phone and dialed the phone number on it and and i was like hey i've got a receipt can you verify some of this information and they're like no nope, that's not how much we charge never had that person that's not what our receipts look like we don't say that on our like just completely fabricated this receipt from a funeral home Ooh. and even after that i was like this is fake the person tell me it's fake and even after that they're like nope it's real <laughs> i was like oh, and i felt like it was that uh there's an episode of Seinfeld where <laughs> George acts like he has a house in the Hamptons, does, and, he's, and he knows the other people know he's lying, but he won't admit that he's lying. And it felt like that. I was like, I'm going to eventually have to be like, let's go to the grave, and we're going to oh, go out into the woods, oh and they're going to be like, goodness. it's on foot from here. You're ready to walk out. Now, is, is wow. this
0: happening? Pardon my ignorance. Is this happening in a courtroom? No, no. This oh, is all man. like... I just pictured you setting that up in my head, and it was glorious. No, man, no. would you please read the line—the third one from the top, man. <laughs> I oh, wish. Is it not true? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I that's wish. wild. Well, you know we've no, talked. No, you're
2: a- out of order. Yeah. <laughs> this whole courtroom is out of order. <laughs>
1: It's strange. We lawyers actually say that all the time. It's
2: <laughs> just all it's the
0: time. It's exactly stop. Like, it's, it's exactly like the movies. Just like TV. just like all the pastors that are portrayed in movies are exactly like pastors in real life. It's really yeah. amazing. It's wow. It's true. Oh wow. Well, Grant, that was a that was that a was little bit great. of an abnormal lightning round, but it was great. You did a great job. Yeah. I, awesome. I, I say hundreds across across the um yes. the scoreboard for sure. Definitely top top five performance yeah. top five 100 yeah. percent. so uh grant we d- we would uh like to hear you in in a serious way uh talk a little bit about your vocation and uh kind of how you decided to become a lawyer and what you do now in your day in and day out sure. and how you sleep at night no, <laughs>
1: So first question, where do you get off? <laughs> <laughs> who do you think you are uh, no so i um, I kind of had an idea when I was an undergrad that I wanted to go to law school, wanted mm-hmm. to be a lawyer um, i i My undergrad degree is in business just because I had people who told me if you want to go to law school, like get a degree you can actually use um, rather than you know something like history or something or pre law something just for for law because it's helpful okay. to have that knowledge, yeah, and that well, has yeah. come in handy. Um, having a a business degree, but, um, I, now I work for a, uh, a a large law firm. Um, we're kind of based out of Birmingham, but we have offices in Nashville and DC and Houston and Dallas and kind of all over the Southeast mainly. But I do financial services, uh, litigation and compliance, which Mm. basically means (laughs) that, uh, (laughs) My clients are typically, like, banks or um, loan servicers, student lending companies, things like that, Um, and I represent them in lawsuits um, and also help them make sure that they are complying with all of the laws that apply to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also have part of my um, practice is uh, kind of nonprofit-type work where I do... um, kind of help with, with nonprofits, with nonprofit boards, making sure that they are fulfilling their obligations and, um, just kind of general help for, for nonprofit companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do, uh, you know, I have random other stuff. I, do, I have a pro bono case, um, for a, a guy on death row right now. Um, and I have a couple other, uh, pro bono matters like that that are wow. just kind of random one-off things.
0: Wow. But, now, how did you get into doing that kind of work? You know,
1: so in answer to your question of how do you sleep at night, uh, <laughs> a lot of my Which clients was a joke, just to no, be clear. A lot of my clients probably would be characterized as the man. Uh, <laughs> no, I, th- th- here's the thing about it, like, mm. people, like, companies are just, mainly made up of people and I know you're like, yeah, yeah, you work for these companies. Of course you're going to say that. But like, mm. I really like a lot of my clients and they're yeah. really, uh, all of them really are trying to do the, the right thing. Mm. Um, now they make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. But yeah. what I found is it's not this kind of like plot that seems to come out. Um, a lot of times that like, there's this big conspiracy and, um, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a documentary waiting to happen. Most of the times no, most of the times it's just like yeah, somebody screwed up and forgot to sign this thing and <laughs> yeah. You know, that's it's just kind of a, a a an error sometimes if there's something like that. But yeah. but anyway, I I enjoy working for them, uh but I also like being able that affords me and my firm is really great about letting me do kind of pro bono work. Um wow. yeah. so one of the things they have in in Birmingham that's really cool is these um, help desks is what they're called is where they'll they'll open up the court, a room in the courthouse for like four hours on a morning of the week and anyone can just come in there well you have to qualify like if you need legal assistance and you fall under a certain like income threshold mm. uh, you can come in and you know it's they'll somebody will just come in cross the table and I will they'll say you know here's my problem what do I do and wow it's a real limited time engagement, but I get to kind of sit and talk and help them, you know, in like the 30 minutes or an hour, um, that they're with me. Hmm. Um, and so that I really enjoy doing those. And there's several that are focused. Like there's a, um, a help desk for, um, homeless people, uh, that is all clients who are living in shelters or homeless. And it's a lot of that is helping like get IDs, you know, stuff like basic things that you kind of take for granted. But, um, and then there's one for uh, veterans, and a lot different. So I, I like yeah. to, to you know, th- those things are really interesting too. And it's it's nice to be able to do something directly for an individual where you can really feel like oh, I'm really helping this person right, right here with with the advice I'm giving them. Yeah,
0: I mean, it sounds like a very heavy <laughs> work. Um, or- <laughs> Do you feel like you kind of carry that home with you? Or how do you process some of
1: that? I mean, that's kind of like a big part of a lawyer's job is taking on your client's stress. Mm. I mean, that's that's a lot of times what they're praying, paying you for is to not just to like solve their problems, but so that they don't have to worry about solving the problem. Um, so there is it, is it is a stressful career. Um, and I've had to you know, learn how to deal with the, the stress of all that. It was worse during the beginning part of the pandemic when I was working from home. And it's like, you don't have the separation of like home life and work life. It's like, I'm going from my desk to the kitchen and I'm still thinking about all that, that work stuff. Um, and it's hard to kind of turn it off, but I had to learn to kind of shut out The stress of work and be present with my family and not be in kind of work mode when I'm at home um, because the stress would would like really kill you if Mm. you thought about it all the time. Lawyers actually have one of the highest rates of like alcoholism and drug abuse of any profession. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. Stress. Wow. So we don't have this question written down, and it's kind of a hard question to answer. But I would just kind of love to hear your thoughts. Is uh, if someone were to ask you, uh, why do we need Christian lawyers? Uh, what what would be your answer? What would you say?
1: Um, well, I, I think it really goes to the fundamentals of our the way that the justice system is is set up, in that everybody is entitled to, uh, a defense. Yeah. Um, and so even somebody who's, you know, on trial for, you know, accused of, of murder, they need a defense and they need a good defense. Um, mm. that that's just the way the adversarial system works that everybody needs. Uh, and so I think it's it, as Christians, one of the things that we should be passionate about is justice and the yeah. law is a good way to ensure that, um, mm. that justice is done. Um, and, but then on a, on a personal level, a lot of times I'm interacting with my clients when they are facing a crisis or a problem. Um, and so you get to know people, even, you know, corporate clients, I'm, I'm talking to somebody who's like, Oh, we got this big problem. My job might be on the line because of this issue. Um, and being able to. Uh, speak to them and reassure them and help them in those situations often gives me opportunities to, I think, minister to them in a way, in a time where they are vulnerable often or um, stressed out or worried. Um, And uh, so that's, I think it's important that there are Christians there who can, who can, who can do that and be in that position um, to speak to people when they're in times of, of need, a great opportunity to show the love of Christ to people yeah. in those situations. Um, yeah. But also, like, you know, you would hope Christians would be more honest and ethical, <laughs> which is important for lawyers. Yeah, So right. yeah. need well, more for that reason.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's so cool to hear you talk about your pro bono work and you're using your career and your experience and your expertise to serve those that might not have the resources To pay someone like you or to have a good defense. And so that's really cool just to hear you talk about in here as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to think about how long you guys have been at Shades. When did you guys first. Well, Shepard
1: wasn't born. So at least five years, more than five years. Okay. So it's been at least five years. Yeah. A little while.
2: A little wow. And what brought you to Birmingham and what, what, and how did you find shades?
1: So after, um, after law school, I got, I got the job at the, the law firm, um, that I, that I work at now. Uh, and so we moved up here and, um, at that time in my life was probably when I was the least like engaged in church and, probably the time that I was the most like spiritually dry. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of my, uh, a lot of my Christian walk before that point um, was like very much works based religion and trying to prove myself to God. And I'm Mm -hmm. doing a lot of these things and it's not like I had a lot of really bad or fundamentalist, you know, preachers or or something that was, was influencing me uh, Mm -hmm. on those things. But I think it, A lot of that stuff you almost learn by osmosis when you're so much involved in kind of the, I guess, American evangelical Christian world. Mm. Um, And so there was a lot of things that I had picked up along the line that are not biblical, um, that were not healthy, that led to me being kind of spiritually dry and burnt out. And um, I was so, so much of my spiritual life was what can I do for Jesus? What, you know, what thing am I going to attend next? What am I going to do that, uh, when I couldn't do those things as much because law school was busy. Um, and I didn't have time to serve in the ways that I had served before. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't know how to have a personal relationship, um, with, with Jesus. And mm-hmm. when I, when I, when we came to Birmingham, we were going to, um, <coughs> a mega church. Uh, and there were a, A lot of reasons it wasn't right for us, but the main one was that I think we were going there just because it was easy and convenient and we didn't have, you know, we could just show up 75% of the time on a Sunday morning Mm -hmm. and walk in, feel like I checked a box and walked out, walk out. um, And uh, then a couple, like a year or so after we moved to Birmingham, both Brooke and I had this big time, like, revelation that totally changed our spiritual lives. And it was really cool that we went through it together. But it was just um, so our, our daughter, uh, Evie, has uh, a nut allergy. And the way we found that out oh, wow. is some peanut butter popsicle got dropped on her face and she went into oh, anaphylaxic wow. shock. Oh, and like, my gosh. And she was like unresponsive by the time Brooke got her to the doctor's office. And they had to like shoot her up with epinephrine and stuff. But like, wow. It was a pretty uh, dramatic. Experience. I wasn't yeah. there. I'm at work, and then Brooke calls me, just crying. All this craziness yeah. has happened, but yeah. it was kind of like I think the shock that we needed to help push us to the point of like, okay, we we need we need we need more. Like we need we're not really we need more spiritual growth and engagement, and something's amiss with mm. with what we're doing, wow. Um, wow. and. Brooke had a friend that she went to talk to, um, and, you know, it's, I would say it's a coincidence, but I know it's God's moving (laughs) that her friend was starting a home church, like right the next week after Brooke talked to her. And so we went to, uh, her church with that group of people and it was, you know, we had this big time revelation of, um... God's grace and what it mean, what it really meant for for Jesus to to die on the cross, and what that the substitutionary effect of that, and mm-hmm. um, kind of helped me go from a uh, a, a works based religion of what am I going to do to get God's favor, favor, which mm-hmm. was constantly this cycle of thinking I'm doing pretty good, being self righteous and hypocritical. Then my sin being exposed to myself and realizing, oh, it's exposed to God too. And then hiding mm-hmm. and being like, I don't want to pray. I don't want to mm-hmm. read my Bible. I don't want to do anything because wow. I got to get myself right before I go back to God. Wow. Um, and then to be that kind of veil to be lifted and to be like, no you can't do like your best, you're self-righteous and your best works are filthy rags and you're not doing it. And I, I just had a low view of the law. Like I can kind of do this sometimes I can kind of meet if I water down the law enough, I can kind of meet it. And it was like, no, only Jesus could do that. And he did it. And he imparts that to you through his death and resurrection and this new covenant that he's established through his own work. And really it's not nothing you can do. And I think that, um, through kind of realizing that and having that revelation that the Holy Spirit kind of laid upon both of us has just led to so much more fruit in my life, just a desire to grow closer and a desire to do the good works that God has set out for me because they're not from my own efforts or or my own thinking that I can do it, but through the strength of the Holy Spirit and, um... So this is, I'm way off the question of how do we come I'm getting no, there. this is great. I'm getting there. So, uh, so we were, you know, I loved all those people. It was a really restorative time when we were at that home church. Um, I think it really kind of renewed us. Um, for me, it took me from a place of spiritual apathy and dryness to um, really this close uh, just desire to um, learn more about, what kind of nonsense I thought was the Bible, but wasn't the Bible. (laughs) Like what I thought was a Christian walk, but wasn't. It's like, you know, God helps those who help themselves, stuff like that. Mm. That was that I'd kind of just seeped in over time. um, And then just coming to realize how many of those ideas I had that were not really biblical and really getting a fuller understanding of what the gospel really is. Mm. Um, And so we went to that church for a couple of years. Um, and I, I mean, I, I played guitar there and did worship for their services. And we met, uh, I think after though, about three years, there's about 40 people going and it kind of was a thing that it, it wasn't ever going to become like a full church. It was more like a small group, which was great. And I loved all those people, but there wasn't like a pastor or anything. Um, and we had a kind of a, a time where we realized the Holy Spirit was telling us like, okay, you got two kids now and they're, you need to get into a better, you need to get into a, a church family where you can plant yourself and um, kind of get more involved and um, be in that type of community. And so when we kind of decided it was time to to move on, um, I think Brooke had heard one of Jonathan's messages, like listen to the podcast, and she's like, "Hey, listen to this. This sounds pretty good." And I listened to it. And I was like, "Oh, this is yeah, this is great." So, we went uh, one Sunday morning, and this might be the dumbest reason anyone has ever stayed at a church. But <laughs> so Can't wait, I, I the I remember that Sunday morning we sang that John Mark McMillan song, um, "How He Loves." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the original version of that John Mark McMillan, the line is. Uh, heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. That's right, the famous line. Uh huh, and it you know it got changed to unforeseen kiss With by the Crowder e- by the evangelical industrial complex, <laughs> um, which I hate. That I hate oh yeah, it's hate it's it.
2: yeah, that's the worst.
1: But so we're singing that song and I'm sitting there like, okay, okay, what, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna do the sloppy wet kiss or are they gonna sell out? Um, <laughs> And sure enough, did the sloppy wet kiss line, and I leaned over to Brooke and I was like, "Okay, yeah, let's go here." <laughs> and she was like, "Because uh, of J. that, long- little did you know, man, the decisions that
2: you make during the week That's right. leading up to Sunday, wow, little
1: did you know." No, I mean, I think that was like confirmation because it just, I think it showed all of the things that we were really looking for uh, in terms of like authenticity, and um, you know, of course, like the good theology, but, and the feel of everything being kind of more, um, laid back and, and not as much pretense and not, um, a lot of, you know, putting on airs or putting on a show. Like I c- I just couldn't go back to, mm. um, a show. I didn't want to go back to sitting and watching a, a Christian show and getting a self-help talk with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in, mm. um, that just wasn't going to cut it anymore. Yeah, and I mean. so I was so glad we found shades i mean we we visited one church like we went to shades that was the first place we visited wow. and we never went anywhere else we we're just like okay wow man, this wow. is it and then i think jonathan did one of those weeks where he talked about the kind of four stream stuff mm. later on uh, like pretty soon after we started going and i was like okay yeah yeah i like all this stuff this mm. is this mm. is good I'm, I'm totally about it yeah so.
2: did you know anybody at shades or did you guys just visited just cold like don't know anybody we're just going to this church
1: we didn't know anybody.
2: I wow, think. that's I great. That's intimidating. I know. I just know from experience, like visiting churches. When kind of after Ashley and I left the church that we were at, and we were went to a few places. I mean, it's definitely like it's tough just visiting a church and not knowing anybody. Yeah. Just walking in, being like, I have no idea what's going to happen.
1: <laughs> well, I hate visiting churches. I mean, yeah. we didn't. I, I went to the same like two churches my whole yeah. life before. Yeah, that, me or too. I guess three, but me like. Too. I, d- I don't like it. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah.
2: No. Well, yeah, you, you, uh, so you obviously mentioned uh, worship and playing in guitar, so you you play in the band here on Sunday mornings. You're actually playing this Sunday morning. I scheduled you uh, today oh, or yesterday. I think so I, I scheduled you. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. You may not be available, but uh, I know, I'm in. when did you learn to play and sing?
1: Uh, so I started playing guitar when I was in, I think, like seventh grade, and my first guitar teacher was my youth pastor's wife, because um, she she's a really great musician. Um, but, like, the way I learned to play, to play guitar was, like, playing the worship songs that they did. Yeah. And I didn't really know it at the time, but she was training me to play guitar with the youth worship band. Sure. Mm. Um, but she also did a lot of, like, music theory and stuff like that, yeah. because she was, a like, a music teacher and knew that kind of stuff. So that was... Uh, I got a, you know, I really enjoyed that. But I started playing then in our like youth band at church in eighth grade. um, Right after that, and I played at uh, at church there in Tuscaloosa from you know eighth grade until really until I got into uh, law school, and I just didn't have time to to be able to to do it anymore. Um, And then. I really missed that during, during law school for that period where I really didn't, didn't get to play anywhere. Um, and then started playing again at the, um, house church. And then, then obviously here getting to play, which is great. I love being able to do that.
2: Yeah. We love it.
0: Well, Grant, I think we're, we've reached the end.
1: Sweet. (laughs) Uh, it's it's uh Wait, I need to make up some more interesting oh. facts. Uh <laughs> I also a couple spent more a summer training camels to go on safaris through oh, the Sahara Desert.
2: Oh, that Sounds very interesting. I'm Don't
1: fact do check me on that.
0: I'm not going to. <laughs> no, I'm not going to have our lawyer do it. The our right. midweek lawyer, our midweek lawyer. Our legal team here at Shades Midweek. Uh
1: Grant, no, no representation is we made that the <laughs> services to be performed are better than services performed by their law firms <laughs> by the way
2: we need to have brooke on the show we need yeah, to get brooke yeah, yeah. yeah for sure here and totally
1: Jeez. she has some interesting stories
2: yeah oh yeah she's definitely
0: done oh 100 but oh we we love the primos at shays we yeah. love having you guys here you guys serve in so many different ways and uh, bring so much to the community. We're so thankful for you all, and thankful that you came on today to share with us a little bit about you and your testimony. It was uh, it was it was great hearing from you, Grant, and uh, tell Brooke and the family. We said, "Hey,
1: oh yeah, well, thanks for letting me be on." Of course. Biggest biggest fan. Of this is That's you're right. really feeding the kind of <laughs> type of content I like. Yes. grant-focused content. That's right. right.
0: That's right. We like to keep our customers happy. You're
1: here. definitely going to get a five-star review on this episode. Here we
2: go. we go. That's there what we're looking for.
0: That's right. I've learned you just need to people please in ministry. So thank you for reaffirming. Very that. healthy. Yeah, 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 totally. 100%. All right, cool. well, hey, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Shades Midweek Meet a Member Edition. We hope you stay safe and stay smart out there.